on today's Compassion Radio. And I wondered, how in the world were these international students going to get out of Ukraine? And your story about them being involved with the church and the church stepping in to make it possible, and you went somewhere that you were not expecting to go, mm -hmm. to call and meet people you were not expecting to meet, to come into a country you were not expecting to come yeah. to, to end up in a place you were not expecting to serve, and yeah. here you are. Yeah, so it's a miracle, you know? Today on Compassion Radio, we're back talking about Bram's trip to Romania and Moldova to gather information about how we, as Compassion Radio listeners and partners, can help with the situation over there for the refugees in Ukraine. And we're calling this Serve Ukraine. And today we want to talk a little bit more about a gal we mentioned yesterday called Alina that Bram met at the border of Romania and Moldova and the amazing journey that she had helping some international students get out of Ukraine and back to their respective countries and into safety. So Bram, I'm going to welcome you to Compassion Radio to talk more about this amazing trip that you had. It's fun to be color commentary for these interviews. <laughs> um, I want them to be able to speak in their own words, of course. And Alina was one of those girls that just if she had not been there on the spot to tell her story, none of us really would have believed all she went through right. to help others survive the bombings in Kharkiv. So God just put us, I think, in the right spot at the right time to meet her. And she's a lovely young lady, but she's also a very enterprising and brave young woman. Mm -hmm. And her story is pretty special. Absolutely. I was amazed as I listened to the video and the recording that you did with her standing there in those little temporary buildings to greet the refugees as they come across the border and just hearing her willingness to stand in the gap for these people and to put yeah. her life on the line, literally, to get them to safety. And that was so encouraging. And it's just really amazing story. And I want like you said, our listeners to hear it from her mouth so that they can get the full effect of the truth of it. Yeah, and the truth of it is the big thing. Every single story that we tell about the ongoing tragedy in Ukraine is a very specific story, but it's a very large narrative. Mm -hmm. And it's not a monolithic narrative. It's not just about one people or one particular language group or one ethnic group in that country that's being oppressed. Ukraine has become a world country. I mean, mm -hmm. many, many nations send their students there internationally to learn engineering and IT and tech and all kinds of things. And they're training up quite a bit of the world's new workforce. And that's how Alina ended up meeting all these people that she ended up serving and helping to get to safety. Yeah, I mean, just her availability and her willingness to serve in that capacity. I love her story about meeting young people when she was 15. Mm-hmm and her desire to learn to speak English because of this group of people from the States that came. And I believe it was the world race people. It sounds like that's who it was. It sure they were from the Atlanta, Georgia area, and they came and stayed for a month. And, and we have a dear friend whose son was on the world race for a year's yep. time. We've had some chances to actually interview a number of the key leaders in the world race program, which is mm -hmm. a outreach of Adventures and Missions, one of the largest, if not the largest missions agency for young people in the world today. Yeah. So it's neat to see how those roads kind of cross as you get out there on the front lines. Well, it's a big family, and uh, you're bound to run into somebody here and there, you know, when you're out there on the road. Indeed. So, so. Well, let's go ahead and jump to Alina and her story of how she came to the Lord and how that changed everything for her and then put her on the road to freedom for people mm -hmm. that she had, hadn't even known until just months, baby, before all of this happened to Ukraine. The Lord has obviously put her on a whole new track she never could have expected. I think that's what's so interesting about these stories. You never know what God's got in store for you 
even when the world seems to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So let's hear from Alina now. Yeah, I learned English in Ukraine by myself. Good. Just, oh. Um, books from the beginning, mm-hmm. friends. I met my first Christian friends in Ukraine. There was like uh, missionaries mm-hmm. from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, awesome. So yeah, there was like a group, like 20 guys, young people, and they was with us one month. And without language, I was like, how can I communicate with them? So this was my beginning, because oh. we was doing ministry together, and without talking... How old were you when you started that? I was 15. Okay. I won't ask what your age is now, but obviously starting fairly young and learning a language. It's a good That's thing. kind of later in life, though. <laughs> Usually young kids would learn languages, so yeah, yeah. you started 15. That could not have been easy. Or do, you, do you have a gift for languages? No, no, no. Oh, to be honest, it was a big challenge for me. I don't have any gift, any talent in this language, so I was actually okay. just hard worker. <laughs> Barely. So, what little I heard outside is that you are a refugee yourself. You just got here when? We started our journey 26, and we got there 28. So, 28, which day is it? I actually... Today is the... 7th, right? 8th today. So 10 days you've been on the road leaving the town of Kharkiv. I understand that many parts of that city are now rubble. My city completely destroyed yeah. right now, to be honest. Yeah, we don't have any area which was not damaged. Mm-hmm. Like each place, each area, all center, city, borders, everything destroyed. So like, it's just heartbroken every day I see these videos and I, I can't believe that this is my city. It was so beautiful. Do you I have know. any of your friends or family that are still there? Of course, yeah, I have. I'm trying to help them also escape, but it's a big problem right now. Not a lot of people can take responsibility to take, like evacuate people from there to, to here because it's very dangerous. Yes. No one give any guarantee. So like you can pay a lot of money because when we started our journey in 26, right? Uh, even taxi driver asked us like from $50 to 100, mm. but now it's a bit more. <laughs> it's about money. You need to find a driver who can help you. Even right now, a lot of volunteers try to provide this like for free. Mm-hmm. But it's not uh, for everyone, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to find this help for everyone. But you obviously started your journey earlier, much earlier than other people did. Uh, yeah, I started... Why did you decide to leave the day you did? There was, like, um, all this day, like, 25, I was just sitting on the, you know, on the bomb shelter. Every day it just, like, was shooting, bombing, uh, like, the house was shaking. I was like, okay, what I'm waiting for? Like, I will just die here or I will try to help my friends? Mm-hmm. Actually, I plan to took my foreign friends because they need to come back to their countries, to their okay. family. So I thought I'm going to help them to cross the border and we'll come back to Ukraine. I even didn't think about myself that I'm going to, you know, also leave. The people you were working with this time, that you felt responsible to help them get out of the country. Yeah. They were refugees themselves because they were students from which countries? Uh, they were from uh, Nigeria, Yemen, Palestine, Egypt, Morocco, Syria, and UAE. Well, were they all studying in university? Yeah, yeah okay. university, different okay. universities. Were they people you knew from class as well, or you just found them um, when this event began? I don't know. I'm already two years volunteer okay. in Kharkiv with international students in church. Okay. So it was like our center for students helping students. Uh, so I know most of them, I know them for a long time. So your church was already doing international outreach? Yeah, it was an international ministry in Kharkiv. Okay, how many of these international students were you responsible for? Uh, 23. Okay. And you brought all of them to this entry point? Yeah. Okay. Why did you choose to go through Moldova to get to this part of Romania? That's a good question. So we planned to go to Poland as right. everyone. 
we was trying to get in the train to Lviv, mm. but it was so crazy and it was so crowded. People was pushing us so we couldn't enter the train. So technically it was impossible to get in the train. So we was like, I was thinking, we're not gonna fight with people. So we was just staying mm. and waiting. And we was like, okay, we're not gonna fight for train. We're gonna next, we will wait next one. Yeah. And next train was to Shmirinka. Shmirinka, mm. it's close to Moldova border. It's just like maybe two hours. Yeah, two hours by train. So we came to Jmirinka and there's like Christian family met us there. Okay. I found in internet like uh, contact of this oh. people, some well, of my friends. Were these people living then in that town? And how did they find out about you, your needs? Uh, I sent an Instagram okay. like, look, we go to Jmirinka, I have 24 people, we don't have any plan. We, we're just trying to leave from Ukraine okay. and we need place to stay. And some of my friends sent me contact of this family from Zmirinka and these people meet us in the train station, invite to house, they give us food, we take a shower <laughs> and then they uh, brought us to a train station yeah. and uh, in train station we got to Mohilov Podivsk and from Mohilov Podivsk we, we cross border just walking to uh, Moldova. How long was that walk for you? Around 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah, at night, it was like 1 o'clock at night, it, it was actually it was very weird, night. it was so weird, it was so dark, okay. no people, zero people, zero cars, nothing. I couldn't believe that this is border, because like, you know, usually in my in my head, border, it's crowd of people, a lot of police people, but then it was that no one, and we came to a small, like, you know, door, yeah. <laughs> and just like crossing, it was so funny. Did you have to wake up somebody to let you in the Moldova? No, no. <laughs> Friends, as I mentioned at the top of the program, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine, like a laser. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw a refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And you can text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. Thank you, friends, for letting God expand your faith through real activist giving today. And now, back to our discussion. I couldn't believe that this is border, because, like, you know, usually in my, in my head, border is a crowd of people, a lot of police people, but then it was that no one, and we came small like you know door yeah. <laughs> just like crossing 
it was so funny. Did you have to wake up somebody to let you in the Moldova? No, no, there were some people, yeah, <laughs> okay. thanks God, there were some people. So we just, it was only our group mm. that were there. No crowd, silence, so we, I was surprised. I saw in the Poland a lot of people and here just like, no, nothing. Alina, when I saw the news about the difficulties that international students were having, they were saying that many people were refusing to let them get on the trains because they wanted to prioritize the Ukrainian citizens. Yes, yeah, it's true. So your story is something that rings with me because I wondered how in the world were these international students going to get out of Ukraine? And your story about them being involved with the church and the church stepping in to make it possible. And you went somewhere that you were not expecting to go mm -hmm. to call and meet people you were not expecting to meet, to come into a country you were not expecting to come yeah. to, to end up in a place you were not expecting to serve. And yeah. here you are. Yeah, so it's a miracle, you know, I call this story God's miracle because mm -hmm. each point of our direction, like you know, our journey was provided by God because, like I said, the first family, Christian family, met us in the first station. And then the next person we met in Moldova, mm -hmm. in the, volunteer, the same volunteer center like this, okay. there was one Christian person, he's a, and then I realized he's a friend of Adi Pastor. Mm. So, so they in touch, so this is connection how we got here. So we met him, he has a big bus, it's like church bus, okay. just exactly for our group. Like we literally <laughs> all of our crowd completely, you know, on this bus, because I was worried, like, you know, a lot of volunteers, they told us, okay, you brought a crowd, we don't have any car for them, how you imagine to cross the border with them? Yeah. I was like, okay, we will wait a bus. They were like, no bus, we can put like two people in one car, two mm -hmm. people in another car, I'm like, no, we need a bus. And we were <laughs> sitting there in the volunteer center in Moldova waiting, and this guy, he came to us, this uh, Sergei, the Christian guy, yeah. and he's like, okay, we have a bus, I can help you. So we go in this bus and he like, where are you going? He asked me, like, you bring a lot of people, where are you going? You I'm must like, know where you're going. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going. Like, we just, we just escaped from Ukraine. I have no plan, I don't know where we're going. And he said, okay, so which country, this guy need to come back? I'm like, okay, Nigeria, UAE, Yemen. And he's like, so you need Romania, here's no flights. You need right. Romania, you need uh, airplanes. Mm -hmm. So we need to cross the border with Romania. So in the morning we crossed border with Moldova and he said, okay, there is still time, I can bring you to border with um, Romania and you can cross the border. So before he brought us to his house again, yeah. he, they give us food, his wife prepared for us sandwiches and then we rest a little bit and he brought all of us to border here, mm -hmm. just at this point. And uh, he, because in his bus was some document stuff that he's not allowed to cross the border. Right. There's supposed to be some specific documents. Right. So because of it, he starts stopping every car for all of us and putting two people in one car, two people in another car. So we was frozen, waiting. I think yeah. it was took us two hours to find car for all of us, okay. just one by one. And yeah, I was all I was so worried that someone gonna lost because like how can I be sure that those people will bring them exactly in the correct place? So we agreed to meet next to border, and yeah, all of us was there. So like all of us crossed the border. Only one guy he had the problem with passport. He left. They left him in Moldova with these Christian people. Okay. They helped him to fix problem with passport, and then they he brought him here. So everything was fixed. <laughs> Right now, all guys in their houses at okay. home, only for Nigerians <laughs> stay in Bucharest because they are applying for university. Okay. So my heart is like, you know, relief. Everyone's safe. They, they met their families. They keep calling me like from their family houses. 
So all 23 of those people are still being housed here in Moldova or on the Romanian side, and they all have someplace safe to be. Do you expect to be involved with them going forward to help them get to Bucharest and then onto airplanes when they want to fly home? Or will you release them to other people and stay here to do more ministry? Uh, look, I trust to Pastor Adi a lot with okay. this question, with the embassy, with the, with immigration, with the, because he has a lot of people he knows, so he helps so much. Yeah. He found solution for, for all of us, because like I count how many nationalities we have. And especially, you know, especially with Syrian passport, there is like, you know, oh, some yeah. difficulties. So he helped like, you know, to fix for all of us, to find tickets, to connect embassy mm -hmm. and everything. So uh, I was involved only as Nigerians because there was some problem. They stuck in airport for two days, Nigerians. Okay. And their ambassador, they told like, oh, there's some technical problems. And like, you know, we, we did this interview for BBC. And after this interview, one Nigerian politic connect me okay. in WhatsApp. He called me and he said like, I want to help. Do you have any question? I was like, yes, we have. Like there is like, I told him like, I sent him video that our guys in airport waiting two days and I asked him, look, can you do something? Because like the ambassador told them, wait, no one knows when, they don't have food, yeah. they don't provide them place to stay, nothing. The ambassador just tell them, okay, wait at the airport. Yeah. So the guys was just sitting and waiting, just imagine a crowd, there was around 400 Nigerians. Wow. And all of them was just exhausted and tired. Okay. So we called to him and after 30 minutes, Somehow this airplane starts like, you know, collecting people. So I don't know how he did it. For some reason, all technique problems was fixed and our guys was on the checkpoint and we even brought them food. So we came in time to airport, me and my friends, so we brought them food. So like, yeah, I was involved mostly only with the Nigerian group because it was like around 10 guys. Okay. So yeah, and like, I was mostly worried about them because, you know, there was these problems with plane and all this stuff. Yeah, but other question like yeah, Pastor Adrian, he just God bless him because he fixed like everyone. He find out a place for sleep for them for each group like, and it was just amazing. Well, honey, I think you understand why Alina's special to me, and our listeners probably feel the same way at this point. What an energetic young lady. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not just natural. I mean, it seems like she's really buoyed up by the Spirit because she knows that she's entering into a new chapter of ministry now that she wasn't expecting either. But after she got across the finish line, so to speak, with all these international students and got them safely to where they needed to go, now she finds herself in new territory and not a real solid plan for how to get back home or what to do next. So what did she do? She turned her heart and her eyes and her hands to the next thing God had for her right in front of her. Mm. Well, we need to understand that she, too, is a refugee. She's yes. not just helping refugees. She is a refugee. She has right. lost everything. And she says at one point, my city is destroyed. Yeah. There's nothing left. So the option of going back doesn't even seem realistic at this point. And then right. she talks later about, yes, I'm going to stay and I'm going to help here. I'm going to translate and do what I can, but I'm going to apply for a job. Mm -hmm. And she's putting down roots in this place now. She is determined she's going to stay here. Because she's seeing long-term what is happening and what's going to happen. I'm looking forward even down the road hearing her story a little bit more as she journeys through this place and all of the ways that God meets her because she's open to that. She's looking for yeah. moments from God. She's looking for his direction. And he's going to provide that. No doubt. I mean, when we reflect that scripture of Isaiah saying, Whom will go for me? Whom shall I send? 
someone still has to respond to that challenge. I mean, the Holy Spirit is saying that to us in this generation. Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to say either yes or no and mm-hmm. own our answers. Of course, we're hoping that many people will hear God's call in today's situation and say, yes, here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Mm-hmm. Put me in the place you want me to be. I mean, to make ourselves available for the things and for the purposes of God himself. Right. That there's a real reward. There's joy in this. And there's really a deep sense of meaning. There's a reason to get up in the morning when we say yes to God that way. Yeah. She didn't hesitate, it doesn't sound like, from her story. No. She didn't hesitate. I don't hesitate. think she'll stop that either. <laughs> yeah. And the thought that she had already been involved with these students in some capacity as outreach ministry from their church. I love things like that. We've been involved in ministries before from the church college ministries. We've had tons of college students in our home when we lived in Texas before. And it's just such a bright and brilliant age of people. And I just, I yeah. love being around them. And She is right in that wheelhouse that she is reaching out to them and serving them. And that she's done it on an international level. You know, I hadn't really thought before about Ukraine being an international country, like you said, but it makes so much sense because it's such a beautiful place. And there's so many universities that are high level places of study. And this is a perfect intersection of God moments and divine appointment. The church, the kingdom itself, is growing there like not many places in Central or Eastern Europe right now. It's really a crossroads of the Silk Roads. We talked about that years ago when we walked down the Maidan and heard how Kiev even came to be. Mm -hmm. Just the the richest history there that it was traders and merchants coming across all the way from China on their way to Asia Minor and into Europe that found on the Dnieper River there safe haven and then built this massive metropolis of trade that was rivaling Constantinople back in the you know, 7th, 8th, ninth centuries. It has so much deep history and expectation from cultures all around the world. That place is known to every nation mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And because of where they are, and because of the choices they made back in 2004 and again in 2014, they kept leaning themselves not just toward the West, but toward the values the West had. And so the nation now is saying, we want to be free. We will sacrifice to be free. And of course, the Russian army is putting that vow to the test. How Mm -hmm. much are you committed to being a free nation, to being Mm -hmm. a place of refuge, a place of opportunity? And they're either going to burn it to the ground or force them into submission in their minds. And, of course, Mm -hmm. Ukraine's saying, you can burn our cities to the ground, but you can't destroy Ukraine because it represents something so much deeper. The same thing is true of the Christian church, what we call the kingdom of God around the world. When we're really at our best, when we know that God is with us and God is for us and God is among us, we say to ourselves, even if I die, I've gained everything. Hmm. So why would I ever give this up? And it's those people that we've seen around the world in many different countries, in many different circumstances, but all facing the same reality that the world is great to live in and to serve and to grow in. We don't want to forsake it, but we would forsake it for the sake of Christ, for sure. Mm. The thing that is eternal, that begins here, will carry on through eternity. And that's worth living for, Mm -hmm. even worth Mm -hmm. dying for. Mm. And we see that spirit alive and well, especially in the believers of Ukraine, I see in Alina the passion to live for Christ. Now Alina has connected her church and herself to a worldwide church because Mm -hmm. of what she did. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what Jesus tells us, to care Mm -hmm. for 
the widows and orphans, to care for those marginalized people that are in danger, that don't have the resources available to them. And it sounds like she was so resourceful in the whole journey that she just mm, yeah. was looking around, okay, you can't take that train. Well, let's take this train. Where's this yeah. going to tr- go? Well, this train is going to Moldova. Okay, well, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get in there? I mean, she's just such a great problem solver. And she's such a great prayer warrior in mm-hmm. asking God to provide solutions. Yeah. When you get into critical situations like this, we find that many of us will fall on our knees a little bit more readily yeah. than we would in normal everyday life. But she is a person of prayer, and you can see that in her attitude and the way she carries herself. She's like, I, I just wanted to trust God and know that He's going to provide a way to take care of these people. I just knew I had to do it. Mm-hmm. She's not only living by faith and walking in faith, she is doing the work that faith requires of us. Indeed. Well, that's what we have to wrap up for this particular chapter in this long story. I think it's going to be a story that you'll be excited to hear the rest of as well. So thank you for joining us today on Compassion Radio. We'll continue the story with other adventures and other people we've met along the way and tell you more about how God is using the church and people like you to save Ukraine and to bring forward real hope in a time that seems very dark. Thanks for joining us again today. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And we're online 24-7 at CompassionRadio.com. And you can text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. Thank you, friends, for letting God expand your faith through real activist giving today. If you missed anything on today's program, of course, the podcast is always available online at CompassionRadio.com. So check that out, too. I'm Bram Floria. Thanks so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.